1: you're listening to The Exchange. Here's today's show.
2: And we have a big sell-off in stocks as inflation remains red-hot. Welcome to The Exchange, everybody. I am Brian Sullivan. You got a Dow. That is down nearly 900 points, but big tech really tanking as the Nasdaq down almost 4% right now. A 481-point down move for the Nasdaq, one of the biggest we have seen in months. And here's why. Inflation showing no signs of slowing down. In fact, Many of the prices that you pay continue to rise from housing to hotels to food. Costs are going up for American families. CPI still at more than 8% year over year. All through the hour, we're going to take a look at how inflation is hitting every area of the economy, what it means for the Fed, and more importantly, what you should be doing with your money and investments right now. We're going to get to all that, but we've got to get to the big story, and that is the big move in stocks Dom Chu
3: has the numbers for you now, Dom. Underperforming a lot of different parts of the market, that global equity kind of gauge is really getting hit hard. I will focus on the NASDAQ composite specifically because right now at 11,775, we're near the lows of the session. Just to give you some idea, we are now at 490 points for the composite, at the lows, we were down roughly 510 points. At the highs of the session, we were down roughly 309. So it's been a down day predominantly so far, tilting towards the low end. The S&P 500 now below that 4,000 mark. You can see there 126 points to the downside, down 3%. The Dow Industrials down nearly 900 points, two and three quarter percent declines there. There are a lot of different narratives about why the market is selling off. Valuations are a problem right now, but also is the Fed response to inflation. Will they raise interest rates to a point that really not just taps the brakes on the economy, but maybe slams on them a little bit? And for that reason, many of the commodities out there are taking a hit. Oil is down two and a quarter percent, although that's better than what the stock market's doing right now. Copper price is down one and a half percent. Even gold prices, which have typically been associated with inflation, are down on today's session. And the real estate sector spider that looks at some of these real estate investments trusts in the S and P 500 is down two and three quarter percent. So real assets and commodities that are supposed to be inflation hedges are also going down in this market. I know that our next market guests will have more to talk about with that front. And then one place to watch. The mega cap trade, the stocks that arguably mathematically have the most influence on many of these major indices, the Alphabet shares, Meta Platform shares, and NVIDIA shares, three to focus on right now because over the course of the last couple of days, we've seen moves now down towards their lows of the year. And the reason why it's important is because these mega cap names do carry a lot of weight. And by the way, there are just a handful of stocks, including these three, Brian, in the mega cap world that are now within 5% of their yearly lows. And that carries a lot of weight. And by the way, if you're curious what the other names are, just go over to my Twitter feed at The Domino. The rest of them are posted up there for you to see. Some very important names, Bri. I'll send things back over to you.
2: Every one of those stocks is one of the top five holdings in probably 200 majorly owned ETFs, Dom. Great stuff. Thank you very much. All right, folks. Yeah, stocks are dropping. But yields are popping on that hotter-than-expected inflation read. The two-year yield, we don't talk about it enough, hitting its highest level since back in November of 2007. Rick Santelli at the CME with more. I mean, yield's gone wild, Rick.
4: Yes, yields has gone wild primarily because inflation is still wild. It was a pretty easy uh, job to connect the dots this morning. Every aspect of this morning, whether it was headline CPI up 110, uh, core up 610, the year-over-year numbers up 8.3 core up 6.3 they were all hotter than expected look at intraday of twos and remember we were down six basis points before the number hit and then it skyrocketed it's now up 18 basis points open the chart up as dom and everybody's been saying watch those two years haven't been at this level since basically october so roughly around what halloween 2007 now as you look at tens and this gets interesting because i brought out the number this morning i want to make sure i point it out that we probably are going to continue to see some higher inflation data, and the short maturities like two-year, three-year are going to definitely show us that along with Fed fund futures. But the further down the curve you go, look at the intraday of 10s. As much as they're up, open the chart up to January 1st, they still haven't taken out their post-COVID High yield close, just a whisker under three and a half from mid-June. That is a huge level to continue to pay attention to, and it underscores all the curve movement. The yield curve is basically inverted, tends to choose another 13 basis points today alone. Brian, I, 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 back to
2: you. Okay, hold on, Rick. I want to talk more about these two years. We like to talk about the 10 years because it influences mortgage rates, so even people who don't care about the bond market may care about the mortgage market. The two-year is a little more obtuse, a little harder to understand what it means. If we could bring up a one- or a two-year chart of the two-years, guys, I'd appreciate it, because the two-year yield one year ago was 0.21%, not 2.1%, 0.21. It's a 3.5%. Today, I don't think I've ever seen a raise and a rise that quickly. What does it mean? What is that telling us?
4: Well, it tells us two things. First of all, it tells us that we were at zero for a long time. In order to really make three and three quarters hit home, we need to really press home the fact that we kept overnight rates basically at zero due to the effects of COVID. So it's a big rate of change, understandably, but inflation at four-decade highs needed to be addressed and... If you look at where T-bills were and a two-year and a three-year were a year ago, they were all much lower. That's why twos to tens, that yield curve, is so much different looking than three months to tens, Brian, because yeah. the T-bill side of this continues to get real every Monday and Tuesday when we auction it. They continue to go up along with two-year, three-year, short maturities close to the Fed. I, I, They're basically shadow boxes where rates are going to go as we move higher.
2: I know that Tuesday morning quarterbacking is an easy thing to do. And I know when COVID hit, we didn't know what the hell was going to happen. Okay. We had no idea. Everything got shut down. But about a year into it, we started to realize a few things. We talked about it on this network that people were spending more money in certain parts of the economy than they were before. They were fixing up their homes. They were buying cars. They were buying homes. The Federal Reserve seems to be the only nine or whatever people on the planet who did not know how much money that we were spending and kept rates low, even as the American consumer got hundreds of billions of dollars extra and spent it. I mean, I'm just telling you, blind. Now we're paying the price with this red hot inflation.
4: And not only are we paying the price, Brian, but the entire globe is paying a price and not for necessarily the same reasons. United States spent way more than other countries and economies to try to combat COVID. But the other economies, especially Europe, Germany in particular, the UK, they have had energy policy that blew up in their face on February 25th when the Ukraine was invaded by Putin. So everybody seems to be in this inflation mode, maybe for different reasons. But at the end of the day, what you're describing is not only Tough with respect to all those trying to make enough money to overtake the hump of inflation and all the costs in daily lives. But there are places, especially in Europe and in the U.S., you know you're our energy guy. We're going to continue to see higher prices as everybody prepares for the winter. And believe me, Putin is not going to do the globe any favors. His whole strategy is to make life difficult and weaponized energy
2: well he has already and someone needs to fix that that's a different issue rick we got to go i got to tell you when we did our election road trip in october 2020 and dave grogan my producer and photographer we drove across the midwest and back every restaurant was packed the hotel was crowded i'm thinking my god not everybody's living like we're living on the east coast it was shocking and he realized then that people were spending yeah, money no. even during yeah. COVID, Absolutely. a lot of the country I was part kept of that, going Brian. as normal. They I kept, was part of that. Not saying
4: it's right, yeah. but I'm just saying. I was saying, part of that. The Midwest. The Federal the Reserve Midwest stuck was in the beltway. Dif- way different I, I than it. the far west coast and the east coast.
2: That's it. The middle of the country kept going. All right, Rick, thank you very much. All right, so inflation still running hot. Dashing hopes the Federal Reserve will start easing on rate hikes. Sectors that were expected to cool in August did not. Take a look at the numbers. Housing costs Soaring. Up nearly one percent. Food also up big. Right now, it's hundred bucks a bag at the grocery store. Let's be honest. And despite years or even decades of promises from Washington, both parties, by the way, to bring down healthcare costs, they just continue to go up. Now, thankfully, wages also continue to rise. The median household income in America now over seventy thousand dollars. You can absorb some of this with your pay. But where does it all play out? Joining us now is Michael Schumacher. He is head of macro strategy. At Wells Fargo Securities, Mike, no doubt you heard that fiery discussion with with Rick. And I'm not knocking the Fed in 2020. We had no idea what was going to happen for about a year. But after about a year, we started to realize that certain things were happening in certain states. Not a health judgment there, but it's the reality of what was on the ground. How late, or maybe not at all, was the Federal Reserve's policy response? How responsible are they for what we're seeing right now?
5: Yeah, the Fed was pretty late to the party, Brian. I think you can look at the, the Fed's policy starting, call it middle part of last year, maybe out to September, latest case, and the Fed should have been cutting back. At a minimum, it should have stopped increasing its portfolio size, and it didn't. That sounds kind of arcane. Probably should have increased the Fed funds rate a good three to six months earlier than it did, but it's, it's pretty far behind at this point, and it's going to play catch up pretty aggressively, we think, over the next three to six months.
2: Yeah. And the market reacting so strongly to what is going to be potentially a three quarters of a percent or even one percent increase at the September meeting next week. Why is this additional 25 basis points, whatever it may ultimately be, Michael, why is that sending the Dow down nine hundred
5: Yeah, it's kind of funny, Brian. We think about it and talk about it and say 75 is sort of a given. Well, think about that for a second. 75 basis point hike people are taking for granted. This is incredible. A few months ago, it would have been completely off the radar screen. Now it's almost commonplace. So it's this notion the Fed doesn't really know how much it needs to do. I think that's what spooks the market. So is it so much about 25 basis points extra eight days from now? Not really. It's more about What do we expect six months out, nine months out, a year out? Is it 430, which is what the market price is today for the terminal rate? Is it something like 5 percent? We're just not all that sure. And more importantly, the Fed doesn't seem all that sure. I think that's what's scaring people.
2: Yeah. And you wonder, does it also stretch out? And it's going to sound ridiculous today. Michael, you forgive me. Rate cuts. At some point, we're going to be talking about rate cuts because the economy will slow down. The Federal Reserve has told us they've got to basically crash or at least slow the economy to get inflation down. It's the only way they can do it. Does this also then push out this concept of when the Fed might start to re-ease? And I know how silly that may sound right now.
5: It does sound a little bit strange, Brian, but it's, it's sort of interesting. When you consider the market pricing, there are actually some easing price toward the latter half of next year. Now, my colleagues and I at Wells think this is, frankly, a bit crazy. But when you look at the Fed, you'd say, if the Fed does push too far and the economy completely craters, could it possibly cut late next year? Maybe. But a lot of things would have to line up. I think the market's gotten ahead of itself. I think it's a case of wishful thinking really dominating the factors on the ground. And the market will push back that rate cut toward at least the last part of next year, maybe to twenty-four.
2: You know what, Michael? I appreciate it. And strange but interesting, I have been called those exact three words. So I certainly appreciate it. Michael Schumacher, thank you very much. Thanks, Brian. All right. We've got some breaking news right now out of the Twitter shareholder meeting. Also got some court case stuff going on. Julia Borston has more. Julia.
6: Well, Twitter shareholders have voted in a favor of Elon Musk's $44 billion deal to acquire the company. This just happened at a special shareholder meeting. It was very brief. They announced the results. That was it. There were no questions. And if you want to know why they approved it, it's if you just take a look at the stock now, it's $41.78 dollars 78 That's, of course, uh, much less than the $54.20 that Elon Musk said. He would pay to buy the company, of course, whether or not he does indeed buy the company, Brian, depends on what happens at the trial between Elon Musk and Twitter, which is set to start on October 17th. Um, And of course, Brian, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that the Twitter whistleblower just testified uh, before the Senate uh, committee this morning. And I would note that one reason why Twitter shares are probably up, Brian, is because he didn't say anything about bots, which is central to Elon Musk's defense of why he shouldn't have to buy the company.
2: All right, good stuff. Heard a lot of it in Tech Check as well. Excellent. As always, Julia Borson, thank you. we got to go back to Rick Santelli because we got 30-year bonds are up for auction. Let's get the grade from Rick. Rick.
4: Yes, Brian, the uh, demand was very strong. Unlike yesterday's super weak tenure, this one gets an A for Apple. The yield? Uh, Well, it was 3.511. That was 18 billion 30-year bonds, Brian. And what's really interesting here is, as you look at that chart, there was such aggressive buying. Yields are falling to the tune of 3.49%. We settled yesterday at 3.51. So right now, 30 years and even 20 years are down in yield, up in price on the session. And when you consider CPI, that's really a big event. And it really speaks to the topic what we're discussing, the yield curve, and how different long maturities are behaving than short maturities more aligned with the Fed. Back to you.
2: All right, Rick, thank you very much. Well, if today is any indication investors seem to think that higher inflation and higher rates will put a big dent in the markets. It's happening today, but is that really the case, or is this just one of these one-day knee-jerk overreactions? Let's bring in Sarah Malik. She is Nuveen CIO and head of the firm's Global Investment Committee. I mean, we were in a four-day win streak, Sarah. Coming into yesterday, suddenly the Dow is down 900 points, all on this CPI number, which really wasn't far off of what Wall Street expected. I am Color me a little bit perplexed.
7: Well, I think the markets are down to today for three reasons, and that's worries over recession, valuation, and Q3 earnings. So first of all, with the Fed tightening even more than expected, perhaps 100 basis points coming up, what does that mean for the future depth of a recession, which we do think will hit? The other issue is market valuations often when you see the Fed tightening this much. You can see market returns being positive the next year. But valuations have. In those periods have been much lower than they are today so market valuations are too high. And that leads us to Q three earnings. We're already seeing estimates drop by about. A little over five percent, but the question is, is that enough? Uh, it's being led by tech stocks taking estimate cuts, but earnings probably still need to be the next shoot it up. Whether we see that in Q3 or later later on is in question. But all of those are why the market is revaluing downwards today.
2: Yeah, I don't like talking about currencies. I don't know much about them. I just know it's the most biggest and most liquid market in the world. How much of any of this is the rise in the U.S. dollar?
7: That's another headwind for the markets. It's a headwind for multinationals. We think the U.S. dollar remains strong because even with all of this going on around the world, the U.S. has been a safe haven because our economy and its resiliency is good for the dollar. And that also is what's giving the Fed the leeway to keep raising rates. They have been clear. They're going to continue to battle inflation. We see it remains hot. And that could happen at the expense of the economy. And with employment staying strong and consumer strong, it gives them the ability to keep raising rates in order to finally squash that inflation. We're going to
2: talk more about it with Diana Ola coming up. Housing, Sarah. And I'm not saying you're some sort of real estate expert, but you're a CIO. You kind of probably follow everything. Ann Saunders of Schwab tweeted this out earlier today that owner's equivalent rents, which is basically what it would cost to rent back your own home. It's how they measure inflation on the housing side, was at the highest level since 1990. But at the same time, you've got mortgage rates at 6%. The housing market seems to be on really shaky ground. Housing market is probably a lot more important to the macro-American economy than the stock market.
7: It is an important component. If you look at CPI today, it was shelter, food, health care costs that were some of the biggest drivers of inflation. Those shelter costs have been an issue for quite a while now. If you look at the housing market, one would say that with rates going up, shouldn't that cause the markets to roll over? It really hasn't completely rolled over yet because supply is so tight right now that you have this issue, same with the employment market, where even if demand starts to soften, supply's been so tight that both of those areas are remaining strong. And it's wages and shelter that are the two biggest components that we're worried about when it comes to inflation. They remain very sticky, and I think the Fed will have to either raise rates enough to weaken the employment market and the housing market um, in order to bring those down, and that would be the recipe for a recession. But,
2: Sarah, when they raise these rates, I mean, to that point, Th- they're not going to say it directly because the Fed never says anything directly. But are they telling us they have to put the economy into, if not a recession, a major slowdown?
7: I think what they're saying is that if that is the outcome necessary to squash inflation, then that is the outcome that, that is acceptable. Um, you know, I think that, um, you know, given where inflation is, they are trying to lower it by decreasing demand, by increasing interest rates. And, and you will eventually see that In areas such as employment, housing, and with earnings being at risk. So I think that is basically what they're saying.
2: Sarah Malik, Nuveen CIO. Thank you very much, Sarah. Really good stuff. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. So let's stay with the markets. What else? And even what are considered some of the more stable of stocks are getting whacked? Stocks you probably own, Apple, Google, Cisco, Walmart. So if they get sold in this environment, what happens to some of the more niche areas? Things that are ready to start to see outflows like ESG, Bob Pisani is the CEO of activist investing firm Engine Number 1 in a very rare interview live out in Huntington Beach, California. Bob, take it away.
8: And, uh, Brian, I am here at Huntington Beach, California. We're here for this future-proof conference and all outdoor conference that's making an attempt to attract a younger crowd to a financial conference. Interesting idea. But joining me is Jennifer Grant. She's the CEO of Engine Number One. Last Um, year, they wanted a very successful, or they floated a successful, Transform 500 ETF, seeking to challenge companies to promote socially responsible investing. Jennifer, the markets are down today on concerns of an economic slowdown. If we enter a recession, is it going to affect the willingness of firms to engage with you on socially responsible investing? Are they going to say, we we can't afford to do this now we're in a recession
9: well we built into number one as a performance oriented investment firm Um, Frankly, we think a lot of people are looking too short-term, and a lot of the portfolio is very long-term. So we may well be in a recession. And if you think about inflation, we should make sure that people are actually holding some of these companies that are going to benefit as they go through this transition.
8: You know, this interest in environmental, social, and governance has provoked a very interesting backlash recently. Texas has accused firms like BlackRock that sell ESG products of boycotting oil. You've engaged in negotiations with Exxon. Are you boycotting oil? Is that what you're doing?
9: We, we, as a society, we need energy, well, and we're going through an epic energy transition. And so as investors, we have to hold the energy companies and work with them. That's what we did on Exxon. Uh, we did a proxy campaign that was about governance and was about economic outcome on the back of that. The value of the company has gone up, but also the company has made different choices on capital allocation. So we need energy.
8: <laughs> it doesn't seem like you're really anti-anything. You're trying to nudge them in the right direction. So you have a transformed climate ETF. N-E-T-Z uh, is the symbol the companies that are addressing climate change, the highest holdings, biggest holdings, General Motors is almost 10 percent of the fund. Deer is 9 percent, Ford is 7 percent. How is General Motors on the top of your 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 pick or ownership for addressing climate change?
9: Yeah, we think that a lot of people have defaulted to indexes. And if you do the index, you've got a lot of the names that we're hearing about today, things like Google and Amazon. But these other companies that you might think of as a slow value stock, these incumbents, as General Motors figures out how to pivot their whole business from internal combustion to battery electric, that's going to have a huge reduction of emissions. But they're also great cars, and they work at scale. They're going to be a big winner in this So you're transition. saying these
8: companies are making efforts to address climate change, and you're talking to them, and you owe them. You're not excluding them. You own them. We
9: own them. We don't believe in divesting. We actually work very deeply with these companies. And as these companies drive through change, they're going to have a better business model. They're going to have higher multiples. And that's good if you were only a financial investor.
8: Yeah. Now, engine number one, you guys got a lot of attention a little while ago when you won three seats on the board of Exxon Mobil. Uh, in June, that was June twenty twenty one, to push the company uh, to diversify beyond oil. Tell us what it's been like engaging with with Exxon. How are they receiving your message?
9: Yeah, Exxon has made a lot of progress from a governance perspective with the new uh, individuals on the board. So the individuals that are on the board, and we voted for them, we led this campaign, but a lot of other investors came with us, um, have driven real discipline on the capital allocation side, managing projects to be successful in energy transition. Um, and reducing the number of products that are long-dated fossil and may not be rewarded. And Exxon's also making very good progress on green business.
8: And you will, you have an ETF to do this, the Transform 500 ETF, the symbol is VOTE, V-O-T-E. You take a stake in companies, you try to get them to consider socially in- responsible investing through proxy voting. What do you feel? How do you feel about this backlash against against that people saying, oh, these companies have way too much influence, companies like BlackRock and Vanguard, and they want to change that? How do you feel about that?
9: I mean, to some extent, that's why we created Vote. So a lot of investors hold index products. Index products now, the big three managers control about 22% of all votes in all public companies. And so maybe that's too big. And Vote's an option with radical transparency. So we work with all these companies and we tell you how we voted. And so it's just an alternative to be active, even if you're passive or indexed.
8: Jennifer Grancio, thanks very much for joining us. And Brian, I know this is very much in your wheelhouse. uh, And the ESG community is a little bit up in arms about accusation that, they're boycotting anything, as you can see. They're simply trying to engage people, and in many cases, they're actually fairly large shareholders themselves. Brian,
2: they got to fix it, though, Bob. I talked to an oil and gas CEO who literally told me we can meet our ESG standards if I plant a hundred more trees at our suburban headquarters. That was, <laughs> I mean,
8: maybe that's a pretty low standard there, Brian. <laughs> and do nothing else. I mean, I don't know how
2: serious he was being, but he seemed serious. Bob Pisani, great stuff. Important interview, Bob. Thank you very much. And cool glasses, by the way. All right. On deck. The impact on your back deck. Housing. As rates rise, housing getting hit. Diana Oluk is here with more. Now, high mortgage rates may go. Plus, what today's inflation number is telling you about the state of the American economy. That is next. And as we head to break, take a look at the one stock in the NASDAQ 100 that's in the green. 99 down, one up. And that's NetEase. N T E S. If you own that stock, take the family to Sizzler tonight, because you're winning. We're back after this.
10: The market doesn't joke around, so why would you get serious?
0: At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time.
2: All right, welcome back to The Exchange, everybody. Hope you're having a good Tuesday. Despite the fact that technology is getting rocked as inflation shocks investors and fears of even higher interest rates, are hitting your investments. The NASDAQ is down just under 4%. But hey... You want to buy low, right? So what are the best tech names to own now? let in Barton Crockett, senior analyst, managing director at Rosenblatt Securities for his top ideas. There is, you like a few names, but there's one Barton that stands out above the rest, and that is Alphabet slash mm-hmm. Google. Right. Why? And are they a recession, somewhat recession-proof business?
11: It's not recession-proof. But when I think about tech, I think about long-term investing beyond the cycle. Um, And what I see with Alphabet is a company where you have high confidence that the growth story is going to continue, Um, high confidence that we're not going to get head faked by all of the pandemic um, kind of uh, things that are whipsawing, I think, so much of tech right now. Um, So, you know, search, will be a leader in search for as long as I'm alive. Um, We know YouTube is going to be a leader in video, user-generated video, short-form video. They're very well positioned to be a player there. Um, Cloud, um, they're a contender. Um, Everyone should have confidence that they'll be a player long term. And they've got a great equity portfolio for exposure to other things like self-driving auto and Waymo. So with this company trading at a a reasonable multiple of sub 20 P.E., you know, that's a stock that you have to look at when you get these opportunities, if you're thinking long term at all.
2: But you wonder if there is an economy that slows down, a consumer led recession, whatever it may be, whatever you want to call it, Barton. That's going to, I got to imagine that's going to hit the ad market. It's going to hit the ad words market. And for all the cool Mm -hmm. stuff that Google does, that's kind of their
11: everything. Well, to be clear, that's everything. If all you're thinking about is the next couple of months, you know, when I look at, at, you know, the way I think about managing my ratings is I try and look at a company over a longer period of time. And I think you'll have better success as an investor if you do that. And so you look at these opportunities um, as an opportunity to pick up a company That's very well exposed over a longer period of time beyond the cycle. Um, You know, and we may already be at a point where investors will be very quickly willing to look beyond this recession risk because stocks have pulled back meaningfully, um, you know, not terribly inconsistent with what we've seen in past recessions. So it may already be in the equity. Um, And if you're willing to look long term, you don't have to worry about that too much at this point. Just buy a good company.
2: Yeah, if you had, uh, we'll call it the triple A trade. I'm just making this up now. You got Amazon, Apple and Alphabet. Of those three, Alphabet would be
11: your clear preference, it sounds like, but you're not you're not knocking on Apple either, are you? Well, I'm not recommending Apple. I have a neutral rating on Apple, you know, which is kind of like tugging on Superman's cape. It's a wonderful company. But if you look at the 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 pandemic risk, you know, that that was in evidence in the June quarter. I mean, most of their hardware other than iPhone was down, partly supply chain, partly, you know, some pandemic pull forward, partly maybe some macro uh, sensitivity. Um, and I think the risk is that maybe we start to see that as we go forward in the iPhone. The, the introductions, the 14, the new watches were great. Um, but the, there's a lot of you know things that were pulled forward from the pandemic and a lot of pressure that's coming to consumers in buying these type of high-priced devices. If there's any signs of weakness there, you're kind of wobbling. And if that one leg comes undone, that stock's kind of, I think, you know, uh-huh. face some pressure. And it's more expensive than Alphabet. You know, with Amazon, you've got a great company. Um, but a retail story that drives the bulk of their revenues that is resetting to normal growth patterns, not substantially outgrowing the rest of retail, um, and that's that's a I think a mental reset for people thinking about the equity. You've got a high multiple, which if there's any slowdown in cloud, you know there's risk that that multiple resets, and they're plowing a bunch of money into some new costs around media. So they're yep. going into Thursday night football. They're Um, they've just done the Lord of the Rings. They could potentially do the Sunday NFL ticket um, into an ad slowdown, which could create some margin kind of volatility. Um, You know, so again, a great company, but for my money, I'd rather buy the good multiple great story at Alphabet today. Okay. Apple, by the way, losing 75 billion
2: in market cap today. Barton Crockett, Rosenblatt, thank you very much. All right, now let's go to Tyler Matheson for a CNBC news update. Tyler.
12: Brian, thank you very much. The National Basketball Association has suspended Phoenix Suns and Mercury owner Robert Sarver for one year and fined him $10 million. This after an investigation found he engaged in, quote, workplace misconduct. The investigation was started a year ago in response to allegations that Sarver had a history of racist and misogynistic incidents. A key indicator of how many Americans live in poverty has fallen now to a record low. The supplemental poverty rate dropped below 8% last year. The supplemental rate takes into account government aid such as food assistance and stimulus checks. Meanwhile, the official U.S. poverty rate little changed last year at 11.6% overall. Pope Francis has started his three-day trip to Kazakhstan at an event with the Kazakh president. The pope called for an end to Russia's, quote, senseless and tragic war in Ukraine. On the news with Chef Smith tonight, how Washington, D.C. is seeking to deal with a surge of migrants. Many bust there by the state of Texas. That's tonight at 7 o'clock Eastern time. Brian, back to you. All right,
2: Tyler, thank you very much. All right, up next, every single home building stock is down today. Whether today's inflation data means more pain ahead for housing and what the jump in interest rates may mean for your next mortgage, especially if you are still in the market to buy a house, Diana Olick is up with that. We are back in two with the Dow Jones Industrial Average down over 3%. We're back right after this.
8: But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything.
0: At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time.
2: All right, welcome back to The Exchange. As the old adage goes, it's the economy. Well, you know the rest. I won't say it. And with those red-hot inflation numbers today, some key components that should have started to see some declines didn't. That is bringing up questions about whether or not this economy can handle prolonged inflation around this level, or dare we say even higher inflation once all the electricity price hikes that have been announced kick in in the fall. Let's find out where we're going. Joining us now is Kathy Bosjancic, Chief U.S. Economist at Oxford Economics. I want to have a little positivity here. It's tough. (laughs) The inflation numbers are hot, Kathy. The market's down, but let's be a little optimistic. Why not? We got some good news that the median household income is more than $70,000. You heard Tyler Matheson probably a moment ago say that poverty levels have remained stable. But American families overall are getting wealthier. The middle class is shrinking because more people are moving out of it, up out of it. Let's be optimistic. Can we handle inflation at this level? Can the can the economy and families handle it because they have a
13: little more money? Well, happy to be with you, Brian. Um, so... The households have been handling it up until this point, um, but um, we do think that these headwinds are starting to, to rise quite significantly. You have a combination of higher inflation or inflation that's not decelerating very much, um, and you have higher interest rates, um, and just the uncertainty of the business climate. We're concerned that we're going to see businesses pull back on hiring, and hiring has really been leading to higher income and allowing households, uh, in, in especially in nominal terms, to deal with these higher prices. If you start to see that break down, uh, then unfortunately, you know, we're headed for, for a slowdown, and our view now is we actually just changed it this week. We now see uh, a mild recession in the first half of next year. Now, the bright news or the good news perhaps there is that it's mild, our, our view, um, and, and it's just enough to sort of let the air out of the inflation bubble that we have, um, but not you know to be a deep or prolonged uh, downturn. As you said, household balance sheets overall are, are very strong and so are corporate balance sheets.
2: I go back, I think about schoolyard fights. You know, I might have been in a few of my day, Kathy, I don't know. And I've never had a bully say, I'm going to hit you, but it's going to be mild. I'm going to mildly punch you in the nose. Right, I mean, what, define mild recession,
13: because it still <laughs> um, sounds so, bad. <laughs> it, it sounds listen. It's not optimal, obviously. Uh, the Federal Reserve is hoping to have a, a, a soft landing, meaning we skirt by recession. Um, but you know, recessions also can be restorative, right? And, and they don't they don't last forever. They're a little painful at the time, uh, but also in terms of the magnitude, we think the unemployment rate. Rises one percentage point. Well, that takes us from three seven to four seven. That's not terrible. It's it's obviously not not the direction we want it to be, but it's not terrible. and And it helps to take some of the pressure off of wage growth. And eventually, that's good news. What we really want is see inflation get back to the two percent because we want medium to long term growth. that That has to be the goal, right? And. And that, that's what's really most at stake here. And in terms of the downturn, like in GDP growth terms, it less than a percent from the peak to trough. Just to put that in perspective, in many typical recessions, you see 2% or more, right? Yeah. Double, more than double that. So rather mild.
2: Federal Reserve, what are you looking for next week? I mean, not not the, not the interest rate move. We know that. What do you want them to say?
13: Yeah, that, that's what's most important. Um, and I think on the back of... These data, the the inflation data, and also the labor market is still being strong. I think they're going to have to raise the possibility of going another seventy five basis points in November, um, and and it may be that they're going to start to talk about interest rates being you know over four percent instead of just getting to a four percent restrictive level, you know four four and a quarter, four 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 and a half perhaps, um, unless inflation really starts to just to grind lower, um, you know in the months ahead.
2: All right, Kathy Jansek, Oxford Economics. Kathy, we had a little positivity at the top there. I like we needed that. We need that today, don't we?
13: Turn yes, around. absolutely. Look. We need that.
2: We do yes. need that. Why not? The sun will rise tomorrow unless it explodes, which I hope doesn't happen. But then we'll have to worry about energy. All right, still ahead. Intel, just a hair above its 52-week low. We're going to dig into the chip crunch. And the one stock or stock one trader says you should be picking up at these levels. But spoiler alert. It ain't Intel. The name ahead. Stick around. All right. Welcome back. Let's talk about a market that is not only bigger to the American economy than the stock market, but arguably a lot more important to you and your family because it's where you live. And that, of course, is housing because the home building stocks, they're getting whacked along with the rest of the market today. Mortgage rates are on the rise. We get some of the weekly and daily data out now and Diana Olick, I know that mortgage rates don't move every minute to minute, right? They're not the currency markets, but, man, they're sure moving quick for mortgages.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Brian. And we did get the rate for today. The average rate on the 30-year fix just matched the 14-year high we hit on one day in June because bond yields are jumping on that CPI number from this morning. So 6.28%, the current read on the 30-year fix. Take a look at where rates have gone over the summer. And then this month, the 30 year fix shot over 6% in June, very briefly, like it said. And that was what really turned the red hot housing market on its heels. Then they pulled back through July and August. But after the Fed chairman's recent remarks saying he would continue to be aggressive on inflation, rates moved higher again, over 6% last week, just under it yesterday. Now again, hitting that 14 year high on hotter than expected inflation. And when rates go high, home builder stocks go low. Pretty clear in this chart of the home builder ETF ITB versus the 30 year fix. Stocks of some of the biggest names now down about 5%. Even Toll Brothers, which is a luxury builder and not usually quite as dependent on mortgage rates. Housing starts and new home sales have fallen sharply over the last few months on higher rates, even though supply is still very low and there is demand out there. And a note on that, supply was improving a little bit, but sellers are really pulling back now because of this higher mortgage rate effect. An owner who currently has a rate under 3% is not likely to want to trade up to 6% just to move to a different home unless they absolutely positively have to, Ryan.
2: And mobility has already been down, is it not? I mean, outside of COVID, people fled the cities because they wanted a yard for their kids, but overall, mobility has been down. For Yeah, a couple overall. Decades.
0: Right. And recently we haven't seen much. I mean, you talk to any real estate agent right now that they're not seeing buyers nor sellers. They're not seeing the lines outside those open houses anymore. No more competition. So it seems like everyone's kind of staying put
2: and can't overstate the the, the mental impact of positive equity. Right. I mean, you, if you feel housing rich, you feel wealthy. It's a big deal. Diane Olick. Thank you very much. All right, still ahead. Stocks, as you can see, bottom of your screen, staging a major sell-off after that red-hot CPI print. Where to park your money if the risk-off trade is going to stick around for a while? We're back. Glad you're sticking around. All right, welcome back to The Exchange. Technology stocks getting rocked as inflation shocks investors and fears of even higher rates, hurting your investments. The Nasdaq falling 4%, one of the biggest moves we've seen this year. Let's get right now over to Christina Partsinevolos, who is at the NASDAQ with some of the biggest movers there are today. Christina.
0: Well,
1: let's talk about the Fed having to get more aggressive with raising rates, and that is bad news for tech stocks, especially semiconductors. And that's what I'm going to focus on. The SMH and SOX ETFs are down, what, uh, over 2% just in the last three months or so. Every constituent of the SMH down today roughly by 5%. Uh, And that's for the past month. But I can't say the same for the socks. And that's because of one company carrying the pack. That's Wolfspeed. Evercore analysts today said that that chipmaker is one of the greatest ways to invest in the electric vehicle transition. Speaking of EV transition, Wolfspeed said they're going to be building a chip manufacturing hub in North Carolina just two days ago. And we stick with that same time frame, though, that three-month time frame, Intel look at that on your screen, is the one really hurting, down over 20% and possibly on a roll to hit a fresh new 52-week low. And I want to switch to Micron, negative on the quarter. If it finishes Q3 lower, it would be the longest quarterly losing streak, that's three quarters in a row, since 2016. And demand, unfortunately, has been slowing. Recent Semiconductor Industry Association data for July shows huge drops in memory demand. And not only does the sector have to deal with a demand slowdown and ballooning inventory levels but also the threat of potential restrictions to chinese customers that remains an overhang especially for companies like amd nvidia and equipment makers you can see the nasdaq lower today down look at that over three percent lower back over to you
2: over three not on the lows
1: no about, not on the lows correct
2: we're trying to find some optimism
1: usually around this time we start to see a little bit of that movement especially in the three o'clock hour so
2: well, we Maybe like we like this we like this hour. It's not three. Don't jump the gun. Sorry, one, I meant one, this hour because I want
1: to. I want everybody to keep watching, That's, right? They because will. You never know what's going to happen. You never know.
2: It's one fifty here on the East Coast, twelve thirty in Phoenix. Christina, thank you. Good.
1: Good All math. right, sticking
2: with the chips. One of our next guests says that on Semiconductor is one of his favorite names, and he is deploying capital on these pullbacks. Bringing Quint Tatro of Jewel Financial along with our friend Art Hogan who is chief market strategist with B. Riley Wealth Management. I'm going to get the quit in a second, but you know how they talk to me in my ear sometimes, Art, and tell me what to say, or they just yell at me. They just got in my ear and said, Art believes the lows are in for the year.
10: True or false? True, true. I, you know, And, and, and obviously, we're going to have these uh, market gyrations around data points that disappoint us. What's interesting to me is if you look at the three weeks uh, coming into last week, three weeks the market sold off. It sold off because the economic data was too good. Remember that feeling that, hey, this you know, good news is bad news? Um, you know, lo and behold, we have a a positive four-day run and the CPI comes in modestly hotter than our expectations, right? So what has that really changed at the end of the day? Is the Fed going to do anything differently at their meeting next week? Not likely. They're likely going to raise by 75 basis points. And even if they want a full percentage point, does that really matter to us or does it matter where they stop? And where they stop is the question, right? So coming into this week, we thought it was 4%. Maybe that goes as high as four and a quarter. But I think we just have a a, a tendency to overreact and take markets all the way back to where they were last Wednesday, and and when we look at markets thus far in the second half, we're certainly better in this. In the second half, we're up on a quarter to date. We're up on a five day basis. We're up on a one month basis. So. Yeah. The sky's not always falling here, and 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 what we you know what we thought yesterday was that the Fed likely gets to a terminal rate of four percent. Maybe it's four and a quarter. I don't think that makes a, a a huge difference, and I don't think we get back down to the 3600 it, level. It,
2: it feels it feels quint like sports, right? Like on Monday morning, we're talking about the Sunday football. The Dallas Cowboys will never win another game, right? And everybody's assuming what's going to happen based on a one-week performance. Today is bad, no doubt. But to Art's point, I mean, we're just back to the levels of. A week ago.
14: Yeah, you're right, Brian. I mean, Art brings up some good points. I think the difficulty is is the volatility is nauseating. I mean, yes, it's a it's a game. Uh, like I mean, you're mentioning looking at a football game, but it's a game where you know Dallas is projected to win by 42 and they lose by 50. I mean, it's just it's all over the map right so these these data points come in and they're just swinging us wildly and and it's incredibly nauseous you know nauseating. well
2: and that's bad i mean is that good it's good for hedge funds probably and trading desk quint but for the average investor for the cnbc viewer it is not it's a nauseating and it's annoying
14: and it may drive people out of the markets i can't deal with it yeah no question i mean we're having conversations with our clients every day really encouraging them to you know make sure they they take a step back you know not to Look at and micromanaging their positions. And uh, this is an opportunity, I will say, when when markets are as inefficient as they are at at, at moments now, when they swing as wildly both up and down, where I think you have to to really know what you own and be able to to, you know, venture in during days like today and and possibly pick up some bargains. Yeah, I mean,
2: obviously, Art, you'd agree with that. I think the lows are in. So where do we go then? Where are bargains? If I
10: knew where the bargains were, I'd be in that aisle right and you know the stock market is one of those places the when things go on sale people rush out of the store versus buying and i think that we're currently going to likely be in a 3900 4300 range for the s&p 500 for the next couple of months remember we've got a fed meeting next week we also see a ppi before that happens i think that if you are waiting to get into some of these growth names uh that are very defensive like apple microsoft and and, and uh alphabet, you're seeing some bargain prices here. I think that that's a defensible part of a barbell strategy. On the other side of that, you want to have exposure to energy. I think energy is, is throwing off some great bargains here. So if you've been sharpening your pencil and looking for ideas, I certainly think that's what's yeah. going to help you maintain over the course of the next 12 to 18 months.
2: Yeah, everybody seems to love energy, but the stocks haven't done anything for the last three months. They rocketed the beginning of the year and then just kind of leveled off. Art and Quint Thank you both very much, guys. I'm going to do quint as my opening wordle term tomorrow and see where that takes me. Still ahead, falling gas prices. Not enough to take the heat out of today's inflation data, but what's old is new again when it comes to energy. We're going to tell you what has been red hot, the dirtiest of dirty fuel that is hitting record high prices in America and the world. Stick around. Welcome back. We've talked a lot certainly about the coming jump in your electricity and home heating costs. It's coming to everybody in all parts of America. If you haven't gotten hit yet, you will. Rate hikes have been given. They've been approved to pretty much every utility everywhere we have seen. So they will be coming. Now the focus is on natural gas, which is a huge part of those costs. But don't forget about old grandpa coal. Dirty and done. The relic of the past. Almost gone, right? Wrong. Rather unbelievably. Coal use in America is still going strong. Its biggest year ever wasn't 1907, it was 2007. And while use has fallen since then, coal consumption for electricity generation is only back to the levels of 1979. And in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, across the Midwest, coal used to power your home and your electric car, by the way, still running hot. Look at this, about 15% of electricity generation this morning, right around this area, was done using coal. As you might expect, that's even more in the Midwest, where today, right now, it's about 35% coal. Now, this high demand, reduced mining has, not surprisingly, because, you know, economics sent the price of coal soaring. Prices here in America and around the world at record highs. Think about that for a second. This is 2022, not 1922. And coal prices are at records. Even inflation adjusted in some levels. Not surprising. This has shares of the big public coal companies, of which there aren't many left, booming their stocks are the best performer of any sector. Hard to believe given that coal was left for dead many years ago. But it's true because energy transitions are hard. and They take a long time, especially if everybody wants a big home to crank the air conditioning, live in a hot environment, and charge your air conditioning. Wish the markets were hot, they're ice cold.
1: You've been listening to The Exchange. Make sure you're subscribed to get each episode every day, same time, same place.